I hung in there. I, I fought right to the end and uh, didn't quite didn't quite get the job done. But um, you know, as I said yesterday, I'm going to keep coming back until I get another one. Well, hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway Golf. You have no idea what Bryce Ritchie just called me right before I hit the record button. We'll leave it at that, shall we? Anyway, hello, welcome. Great to have your company. Apologies that we are maybe, what, 24 hours late with this. I'll sum it up like this. Car trouble. I'll say no more because I'll just get angry. I'll bring him in, Bunker Editor Bryce Ritchie. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, I was fiddling about my phone there. Yes, good to have your full attention. Yeah, full attention. I am, was that yeah. breaking news? No, well, I was on the PGA Tour app, so I'm trying to figure out something, but like it's too late now. You've interrupted me. I'm very sorry. Is it's it on fine. silent? Yes, it is. Excellent. Excellent. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm knackered, to be honest. Oh, I know a, that feeling. You know, Jeez. But uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to be honest. It is boiling in here. It is boiling. I'll tell you what, you keep talking. You keep talking, and I'm going to fix that. Why are you tired? Go and tell people. <laughs> I'm tired because, well, everyone on this side of the pond knows that West Coast Opens are US Opens. A menace. Jesus. Don't fall for that. Well, it's their open, a menace to society. Oh, dreadful. It's just, I think we need to do something about it. Start and a campaign. Yeah. I'm going to start a campaign so that 2039 is cancelled. You Because I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll not make it, I'll be older then. I'm never going to make it past half ten. Fifteen years, six, sixteen years from now, you'll be eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we will get to that. We will get to yeah. that. But my God, my my body clock's all over the joint with the uh, the U.S. Open being on the West Coast and then attending Hamden last night for the longest game of football, the longest game <sighs> of football man. ever. It was brutal. Yeah, absolutely brutal. I stayed dry though, which is something nice. God bless Hamden and its roof, but yeah, that was a long night. Got in at one in the morning. Yeah, carnage, absolute carnage, and I can't stand Hamden. Do you not like it? No, it's it's just an awful stadium. The, the surrounding infrastructure is dreadful. You like, can't you meant see, to get home. You can't see anything, <laughs> and you're miles from the pitch. The ticket system to get in is a farce. And I, I, just something about it. There's really no atmosphere. I don't like the stadium announcer. I don't know who the, <laughs> stadium, like the stadium announcer stadium is. Announcer. I don't know who it is, but I don't like him. What is it you don't like about him? It's too How boring. How could he improve? It's too boring. Okay. It's too boring. Anyway. Should you do that job? I, I think Ross Next Door could do that job. Yes. A lot better than, yeah, uh, I'm with you. than who's there. But anyway, look, it's not a football podcast. No, it's not. Let's move on. US Open What are we going to complain about? (laughs) What are we going to complain about next? It's probably more (laughs) accurate. Let's let's go straight to it. US Open. The dust is settling after a long, long week in Los Angeles. Bryce, Los Angeles, what's its nickname? City of Angels, Mm -hmm. Hellhole, Jungle. Yeah, Jungle. You're still going with this, aren't you? No one got it. I, I, I just... I'll explain very quickly. Bryson's preview for the US Open in our US Open preview edition. Cam Smith on the cover signed off as. We mentioned bit. this in the last. I, issue, I know, but I'm just going to put context on it because we didn't go into it enough. We did. We didn't. You said that you signed off oh, with no, your, right, it being didn't. the jungle and let's hope for fun and games. And Bryce was mortally offended that I didn't get the Guns N' Roses reference from Welcome to the Jungle. Is that right? From Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Look, 
the more you point this out, the more stupid I look. It's a let's terrible just, look when you have to explain uh, jokes. I know because it? it didn't work. No, like, no it let's did just not. move on. I'll try it again further down. <laughs> Maybe do something. Edition. I'll do something <laughs> for the Ryder Cup. Like, and we'll see if people pick it up. When in Rome, when well, that'll be better than that. Okay. But anyway, so Los Angeles Country Club hosted for the first time. <laughs> Should it be the last? We'll, we'll get there, I guess. Bryce, first and foremost, your thoughts. Good op- good US Open, bad US Open. Where did it sit for you? It, it had its moments. Listen, I managed to stay awake. I think that says it all. Friday night, I was really struggling. Really struggling. I think it had its positives. <sighs> Let's all be honest. Did we get the winner we wanted? No. But you don't always get the winner you wanted. It would have been a bit, I wouldn't say a fairy tale, but it would have been fantastic if... Fowler had got over the line. It would have been incredible if Rory had done it. But let's be honest, he didn't deserve to. The guy that won it deserved to win it. I thought he was great. More than worthy winner. Yeah. Will it go down as one of the great US Opens? No. But okay. most most majors don't. The crowds and the atmosphere before we get to the players and all that stuff, I think that, to be honest, was probably the single biggest talking point yeah. of the week. Now... If you thought it looked like there were fewer people there than you would usually find at a major or a US Open, you'd be right. That was a deliberate move by the USGA to cap the number of people on site. Usually, I think it's around about 45,000 spectators a day they would average at. In LA, it was 22,000, so half the crowd. And of that, it seemed like a disproportionately high number were either LA Country Club members and their pals and corporate people. That's been rumoured, yeah. wasn't an awful lot of golf fans yeah, on the that, ground. The, the, the whole thing about the early Country Club members has been rumoured, but I mean, there can't be that many of them, <laughs> let's be honest. And they're all loaded, so I can't imagine they're going to spend four days watching golf. It did appear that there weren't great numbers, and there wasn't a huge, there wasn't a great atmosphere. Thursday, Friday, I thought was deadly quiet. And that, to me, that's not a good look for a major. I know there's a new guy in charge of the USG, but I, I thought they made a few mistakes. And I quite rightly, I think they should get picked up for it because it's at their event. You know, the, the, the prize money is absolutely huge. This is their national open and it got it got criticised. Now, you imagine this is at Hoylake. You imagine there's no atmosphere. You imagine there's not a great crowd. Martin Slumbers and his team would get slaughtered by yeah. the media, and rightly so. They're paid to do a job. I don't think the USGA did a particularly good job. If it's your national open, there should be a the atmosphere should be it should be raucous. They should be chucking people out, <laughs> you know. And and it just it didn't appear like that. It just, they did chuck one person out. Yeah. Of that, that heckled Phil Mickelson. I think what you've said there chimes with uh, a bit of the sentiment online. We've had some comments from people. Ben Dillon, he says it was a so-so major. Didn't feel much like a major in many ways. Crowds were poor. Course was just strange. Didn't like the advantage earlier tee times got in terms of scoring. To be honest, on that point, I mean, that that's not exclusive to LA in the US Open. That, that does happen. JD, a bit meh. Didn't really feel like a major championship. Time difference to here didn't help. But the course didn't create many twists. Crowd didn't seem that big. Winner, a bit of an underwhelming name. Big Guns never got going. JD evidently did not like it a huge amount. And Andrew Hunter, the spectator policy, was a total own goal in terms of numbers and atmosphere. I agree with that. That is a total own goal. That's a mistake. You you know, you're putting on a major tournament. Act like it. You know, get the people in that, that, that will make that 
a special tournament. You know that Hoylake coming up in a few weeks is scary to say that. Hoylake will be loud. You know, that's a popular place for golf. That's, a, you know, the last two Hoylake Opens have been loud and noisy and extremely busy. And that will be the case again. The RNA know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, look what they did at Port Rush. Absolutely smashed it out of the park. I think the USGA have made a huge error in taking it there. It is going back, as you rightly said, in Goodness 1939. Sake. It doesn't matter, I'll be 80 by then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still around. Some other. Hey! <laughs> Listen, just do- those of realism, you know, you do live in Glasgow, let's face age. it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's meant to be going back there. 1939, it's, it's on the docket for. 1939? Are they going back in Jesus time? Jesus Christ, yeah. That would be <laughs> just like Jesus coming back. Yeah, no, oh, two thousand and thirty-nine. My yeah, words, yeah, yeah. my words. But yeah, it's meant to be going back there. Then lessons to be learned. What about the course, though? I mean, take away the 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 noise around the crowds or lack of noise around the crowds. What did you think of the golf course? I liked it, but then I didn't like it. There was something about that course I just thought. I don't know. This this isn't this isn't a US Open. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like a US Open. It felt like they were playing a bit of a tricky course. What does a US Open feel like? A US Open's well for a start, it's green. You know, it looked a wee bit like like a, a Lynx course. Mm-hmm. You know, you you look at like if if you've seen the video the RNA put up on Twitter a couple of days ago, yeah. Hoylake, that's a proper nineteen eighties open course in Britain. That's what an open should look like. You can't tell where the green starts and the fairway finishes. That's an open course. When you look at a US open course, US open courses are thick, bright, mushy, green, rough, huge bunk- bunkers in the in the semi-rough. Oh, please, John Huggin. But, you know, thin fairways and it's long. There's long par threes, but I liked some of the par threes were a bit short. And then, yeah. Did you like shortening the 15th? What day was it? Friday or Saturday to 78, 80 yards? Yes and no, but then I thought some of the shots, actually, to be fair, yeah, because I think it showed you that some players don't have that touch. Mm-hmm. They struggled with that shot, which I thought was interesting, but it just didn't. The The US Open's meant to be the toughest test in golf, and I know that the score didn't necessarily reflect that to a certain degree and then everyone was panicking it was almost like some including some of the sky presenters you know in the first day were like oh what's going to happen with the course with these freaking out there's going to be 20 under the yeah. wins mm-hmm. come on how many majors have you watched where you realize this always happens in the first day and then the course dries out and it kills them in the saturday night and the sunday plus they toughen it up with tougher pins and more inaccessible yeah. pins the pins on thursday i thought were really gettable that's why you had 262s the conditions were perfect for shooting a low number on thursday they were never, ever going to let that happen Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday. The, and one way that it felt like a US Open was it got progressively tougher yes. as the week went on. And that's what a classic US Open does. But I do agree in terms of the, the golf course. It didn't look like a US Open course. Bear in mind, though, Pebble Beach doesn't always look like a US Open course. No. And then there are others. You know, Chambers Bay didn't had more of a linksy style feel to Erin Hills. Got- but when you think of classic US Open tests, you think of Oakman. You think of Shinnecock. Even, dare I say it, like Atlanta Athletic Club, places like that, Olympic Club, you think of those places. This was new in name, but also 
Of course, he's, different style of course these are there. subjective. You know, it's all opinion about mm. what you like about the golf course. A lot of people hate St Andrews. A lot of people genuinely don't like it. Yeah. And others love it and say, you know, there's people that think that the Open should go there every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a huge fan of St George's, but a lot of English golf writers will bite your hand off to play St yeah, George's. Absolutely. They love it. And, and, and I get that. It's all fine. Everyone's opinion counts. I just look at it and I thought it didn't, it didn't serve up what I expect a US Open mm-hmm. to be. And I, 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 th- I think, and I think the fairly... combination of the other factors coming yeah. to that made it a bit difficult. I think that's a fairly familiar sentiment online. Just for balance, you know, Tom Jacobs got in touch to say, nothing wrong with the course. Atmosphere was bad due to exclusivity of LACC, but otherwise fine. And then we had Kevin Miller. I thought this was a really interesting point. If that course, complete hypothetical, but if that course had been in a British seaside town, would we have been raving about it? <laughs> uh, I think I the answer know. to that is quite possibly, yeah. but it wasn't, so we didn't. Yeah, because it's not a, it's not an open course. It's yeah. a US open course. So yeah. They're all meant to provide something a bit different, but anyway. Wyndham Clark. Lots of players to talk about, but let's start with the champ because he deserves it. He had a terrible major record coming into that week. I think he had four missed cuts, a tied 75th, a tied 76th. Nothing in his major record, small though it was, really small sample size, to suggest that he could contend, never mind hold his own amongst the big names that were at the top of that leaderboard on Sunday, never mind win the bloody thing. What a... What a mature performance. What a error-free, largely, performance? Largely error-free, but you, you consider this. If Liv hadn't happened... Would he have had that opportunity? How because he won earlier this season. He won recently. Wells Fargo, yeah. So I'm not saying that he won that because the big names, some of the other big names weren't there. But we've all said it. There's now an opportunity for the, I'm not saying journeymen, but the guys who are out with that top 15 in the world mm-hmm. to come in and stake a claim for themselves. Yeah, it's a good point. He's Stand not, a, he's not say, a young guy. He's 29 years no. old. It's not like he's 21. So these guys can come in and go, right, I've got an opportunity. And he took that opportunity mm-hmm. and, he, and he's played well. And I think when he got himself into position, it's almost like, I've kind of been here before, but not in a major. Let's go and get it. And I, I liked it. I thought his attitude was brilliant. Just wonder if, if Liv hadn't happened, would he have had the results he's had so far. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to mm-hmm. him whatsoever. But it's just a diluted He pool. was a name that came out of, out of nowhere. And, you know, his ball striking and everything was, I, I thought it was absolutely top class. It was interesting when, right at the beginning of the broadcast, the, you know, they were talk, looking at the names in the leaderboard and you had uh, Xander Schofley, who, by the way, once again, when you talk about Xander Schofley, mm-hmm. Xander Schofley, you had DJ and at that point was in the mix, Scott Scheffler, Rory McIlroy and Wyndham Clark. And they said, you know, the commentators were talking to each other about it. And I thought his commentary was decent at times. And uh, Rich Bean picked him, said, I like the look of him. I like the way he's moving and I like the, his attitude. And, and he called it straight away. He, he picked that uh, at the beginning it would be him that would step forward. Big, massive call, obviously. But he didn't make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And he was in a good position. People forget that. He was in a great position right at the start to go and get it. I think the single biggest moment for him in the whole week was probably his approach into 18 on Saturday night and pretty much pitch black. That set up the birdie that got him into the final group yeah. on Sunday. I think that was critical. 
we can discuss this when we talk about these guys a little bit more in a second, but had he been playing, chasing the lead in this penultimate group, would it have been the same? Had he been in the final group with Rory McIlroy, for example, would it have been the same? It felt like playing in the final group with Ricky Fowler was beneficial was to him. Very beneficial. Absolutely. And also, as he knows, the way that golf course is set up, I know we talked about this with Rory and we'll get to Rory, but no one was really going to, going to go on a big charge on that back nine. Mm-hmm. So all he had to do, I'm not saying all he had to do, but he's, he's got to hang in. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely did that. It's funny how the guy you're playing with, you know the guy you're playing with is not at the races. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah, and with his length off the tee as well, he was hitting second more often than not for his second shots because of the US Open nature of the golf course and where Ricky was hitting from. More often than not, he was getting a read off Ricky for his putts. I think a lot of factors fell into his his lap there. (sighs) There's been... Some fairly unkind things said about Wyndham Clark since the win. Again, social media, noisy vacuum, all that nonsense. But it seems like the narrative has been more about Rory not winning than Wyndham Clark winning. We've been here before with major championships where the big name that doesn't win gets a bigger share of the limelight than the lesser name that does. Have you noticed that so much this time around? Do you think that's fair on Wyndham Clark? No, I have to say I haven't noticed that too much. I I, I wouldn't put it down just to Rory not winning. I put it down to Scottish Scheffler not winning. Mm-hmm. The two of them sit in the same same ballpark for me because they both played exceptionally good golf, but they just could not buy a putt, mm-hmm. and they didn't lose by six seven shots. You know, it was only a few. I I, I still think that there is no he did not fluke this. There's no, no argument. The guy absolutely deserved to win that. Because that tournament. was the accusation. There was a few people saying it was a fluky yeah, win. And not I'm going, at all. How is that a fluky win? That's just nonsense. No, that's just nonsense. Rory, then let's let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Rory. For a while, it seemed like this was going to be the week. Certainly at the start of Sunday, if you were to pick anybody and put the mortgage on who you thought was going to come through, be Rory, wouldn't it? No, if you had moment, to, gun to your head. No, not at the moment. I, I, I genuinely think with nine holes to go, I don't think... No, I no, could... I'm not talking about nine holes to go. At the start of the final round, gun to your head, someone says, pick someone to win. No, I, did, no? I, I didn't have... No, I wasn't 100% convinced that it would be Rory. It, it, I don't think it works like that. If I, it, I'll be honest, if I had to pick one, I would, I'd be probably putting my money in Scheffler. And I think that's what I said at the beginning of the week. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that at all. There's a lot that happens in the back nine of a major championship. So at the, at the start, you just never know what's going to happen. Look at what happened. You, you would never have thought Brooks Kepka would have, as he called it, he, he called it himself, he choked at the Masters. Mm-hmm. You would never, ever have said that he would fall apart like that. So no, I, I, I would, I genuinely did not know who was going to, who was going to come forward. If I did, I would be rich. <laughs> but as it is, you're I'm poor. not. <laughs> He started Sunday one shot behind Wyndham Clark. He finished Sunday one shot behind Wyndham Clark. And yet the, the signs early doors looked good. Uh, you know, he stepped up on the first. Great drive. Great approach. Birdie the first. Second, similar story, but failed to convert the putt. And that was the story. Just nothing went in for Rory. Nothing went in. Listen, we, we, we both said this a few weeks ago. Rory is head and shoulders above the vast majority of players on that tour. When he plays well, he's in a really, really good spot. He just didn't hold the putts. And you can say, you know, well, that, that's part of everything. Putting's part of everything. It's not. You need 
as we've said repeatedly, you need your entire game to come to the fore at a major. Everything needs to work. The putting at the moment is just not working mm-hmm. for Rory. Everything else is exceptional. Mm-hmm. Same with Scotty. You know, Scotty's put. Scotty's the rest of his game was was pretty good. His putting was poor. You look at Ricky. Ricky's first two holes, you could tell. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's the best I've ever seen Ricky Fowler hit a golf ball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely sensational. His tempo and his swing, his ball striking was outrageously good. He was so confident. The, you could tell the way he was moving and talking to his caddy. And in the first few holes on Sunday, he just, he was not like that. Yeah. That it happens. It happens. But when you start off poorly, it just puts you, it puts that little seed yeah. of doubt that you're not quite at it. I think if, Ro- but if Rory Ricky'd, started well, is the yeah, point. Yeah, of course. Rory started well. But you, you, it, these greens, the greens were really good, but they're tricky. Yeah. They were fast. And he's just, he, he just couldn't hold a putt. As Des McGreal pointed out to us on Twitter, he made only one putt over seven foot on Sunday. Yeah. Des says no chance of winning with those stats and he should have been able to put more pressure on Lyndon Clark to test his lack of experience. Yeah, well, I get that, but it's tricky. I, I'm so disappointed for Rory. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, I, and I couldn't I couldn't decide whether I wanted Fowler to do it or Rory to do it. That, yeah, we, we spoke about that on the Sunday. Yeah, really... I was really racking my brain going, who do I want to win this? <laughs> Rory said afterwards, and let's face it, he made one mistake the entire day, which ended up being the difference, really, the the wedge into 14. People questioned the drop. We're going to come to that in part two of the show. But another near miss. And afterwards, he said, there's a couple of things I would probably have done differently, but all in all, I played a solid round of golf. He also pointed out he missed a birdie putt on eight. Apart from that, I did everything the way I wanted to. There are fine margins at this level, and at this tournament especially, but I fought to the very end. I obviously never give up, and I'm getting closer. He then added, the more I keep putting myself in these positions, sooner or later, it's going to happen for me. you got to praise that positive attitude. You cannot say anything. Rory is not scared. And his attitude after it is just so admirable. Mm-hmm. you got to say, I love the guy. He, 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 the fact that he said something like, you know, I would I would have another 100 of these yeah. tournaments to go and get a chance to win one more. you got to admire that. I love Rory's attitude. That's why he's he's so good. That's why he's won so much. And it's why he's always in the mix. Same with Scheffler. She, look how many times Scheffler's been knocking at the door in the last couple of months. Yeah. Rory added that when I do finally win the ne- this next major, it's going to be really, really sweet. That that line you pointed out. I would go through a hundred Sundays like this to get my hands on another major championship. I mean, that, that's your line straight away, golf writers. Hoylake is only a couple of weeks away. There's pressure on him. He Can't deny it. won there. The last time the Open was there in 2014. So he's got good vibes. Going His open the record's great. His open record's great. He's coming off the back of a good result. Not the result he wanted, but another, as he said, step in the right direction. How excited should we be getting about Rory and Royal the, Liverpool? The thing about Rory is that Rory can Rory has proved now countless times that Rory can play on any golf course. He's that good. He can play in soft courses where he's got his high ball flight and his big sling and draw and bit towing and irons into pins and spin them back. But he can also play in a golf course where you need to control your ball flight, mm-hmm. which is a bit like Ellie. Ellie played a bit like a mm-hmm. fast running yep. links at times. So you're going to have to do that at Hoylake. Very different... Golf course, but Hoylake will bring in other players because I don't. I don't think a lot of people will hit driver at Hoylake. 
you're going to see a lot of two and three irons. I think I'll be very surprised if, if Rory hits a lot of drivers there. You just don't need to. Tiger demonstrated no. that, and that's the example that everyone cites. But even in 2014, when there was weather that came in, caused a bit of havoc, even then when it softened the course up, still a lot of guys yeah. going with irons off, off you, the tees. You need, to be, you need to have full control of your golf ball when, when you're in that type of strategy. He's got that. Rory can play anywhere. So I think we should all get excited. But we're only getting excited about the possibility. You know, it, it's just going to... I think Hoylake is going to set us up beautifully for the last men's major of the season. However, it's not that long ago where we were running up to the Masters talking about Correct. Rory. Yeah. And we are four or five weeks from another season. If Rory doesn't get it done, where we're going to spend six, seven months... Eight, nine months Correct. actually, is it nine months? It would be the ninth consecutive calendar yeah. year without Talking a major win. about, you know, By build the time up to the Masters. He's 34 now, he'll be 35 next May. I'm not saying he's done, he's done but we're, we're, we're getting carried away here. No, I, but no, I, I didn't say that either. I'm well, just you saying, were talking about his age. Of course I am. I'm not, a break, so he's 34. A, Jesus Christ. I'd give to 34. Of course you would, it was so I'd long ago. There's, there's a difference between saying somebody is I this know. amount old and yeah. they are done. No one is suggesting that Rory's done. The point is, time isn't on his side. Yeah. And the longer it goes, and we keep saying this about the Masters, but actually the Masters is now uh, almost an incidental part of the conversation. It's like every year it gets tougher. Yeah. Every but year do, you don't win a major, yeah, it gets but tougher. You, you could say the hard, I just did say the harder it gets, but see when you looked at Rory and Sonny, I didn't th he didn't look nervous. He didn't mm. look as though he was buckling under the pressure at all. He, he was out for it. He was, I thought it almost at times he was, has played as good as he could ever play. Yeah. Just couldn't buy a putt. What do you do? Everyone, every golfer in the world that has played golf has played some good golf at times and just whatever reason, you just cannot hold a putt. Which happens. There's a difference between Rory's poor putting, right, and Sergio Garcia's. Remember when Sergio <laughs> couldn't putt? Sergio's ball wasn't even getting to the hole. Don't think he can putt now, still. Yeah, ooh. Mind you, I've not seen him for He's, a year or so. Oh, double O. Sergio's balls weren't getting to the hole, sorry. Rory's was hitting positive putts. That's the difference. And I think there's a, a marked difference in Rory's poor putting compared to other people. It, and it, it's only a matter of time before it changes. Yep. But the rest of his game's got to be in shape. He summed it up himself perfectly when he said, I felt like I didn't do much wrong. I just didn't do much right either. I think that is it in a nutshell. Scotty Scheffler, third place. And I'm going to throw some numbers at you here, Bryce. On the PGA Tour this season, strokes gained total, he's first. Strokes gained off the tee, he's first. Strokes gained approach the green, he is first. Decent. Strokes gained putting, he is 138th. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, he's not he's, he's not putting well. You know, and, and in his, one of his preview press conferences, I think, that he got asked something like, eight or nine times in the press conference about his putting mm -hmm. and he kind of batted it off so much so that his manager said right oh, that's enough about the that's enough about <laughs> the putting questions so he's clearly everyone knows about it but I, again people forget that Scheffler is relatively young mm -hmm. in doing I know he looks 38 but he's relatively young in doing what he's doing there's that joke again <laughs> thank you and he's consistent 27 years old he is he is consistently there you know the guy. The guy's a class act. He's he's an absolutely deserved world number one because he turns up almost every single week, and he was a few putts from winning that. People forget. Everyone we're all talking about Rory, but Scheffler could have won that 
if he just managed to get a couple on the go. And it's the same thing with Rory. You know, so many people said it on the Saturday night, Sunday night. Rory needs almost like a forty footer to just drop and give him the bounce. Yeah. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, that's it. Didn't really. To be honest, it didn't really happen for anyone. Yeah, that's true. I actually can't think of Wyndham Clark calling many putts that were absolutely critical. Scheffler, 16 majors he's played in. He's made the cut 13 times, 9 top 10s, that's, obviously that's, with one win. Yeah, that's decent. Listen, listen to this record since the 2020 PGA, so we're talking since the pandemic, since the first lockdown. He goes tied 4th, tied 18th, tied 8th, tied 7th, tied 8th, 1, cut Tied second, tied twenty first, tied tenth, tied second, third. Decent. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's ladies and gents why he is world number one. That is why he's world number one. Absolutely. What does he, he need to, to change in his putting? Is it as simple as doing what everyone is suggesting he does and go with a, a mallet putter and see what he gets see how he gets on with that? Listen, I don't know it worked for Wyndham Clark. I know, but a mallet putter changes it, it's there's a reason why you go with a mallet putter and there's a reason why you go with a blade. He's got to work that out. You know, a mallet putter is a higher MOI. It's easier to hit, but it changes the feel and tempo of your swing to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And whether he would want to make that big change, he has shifted from putters. But some people, I'm actually of the opinion that you just find a putter and work out mm-hmm. what you do. I think once you start switching putters all the time, I think you're in trouble. So Sergio, Indian, not arrow. Yeah, Sergio did that. I wouldn't want to see him change into too many putters. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it, it's it's what you do. It's the confidence you've got in your, and sometimes it's just pre-shot routine and a little trigger that you've mm-hmm. got before you take the club away that make the big difference. I would, I don't want to see him go and try five or six different putters. You know, I keep coming to Sergio, but he did that for a long time. It was just an absolute disaster. Yeah. And if he's completely stuck, he could always phone Bernard Langer and, you know, find out how he does it. Oh. Ricky Fowler. Dreadful final day, but hopefully that doesn't take away from how good he played the three rounds prior to that. I'll give you a break. You've done an awful lot of talking about where I'm at with Ricky is. I still believe. I said at the start of the year, I said that last year he was going to win twice. I said at the start of this year he'll win once, but I stand by that. I think he will win before the year's out because the form he's been on this year, the momentum that he's got, that's been one thing to back up at a major. Bear in mind, he was first alternate at the US Open last year, didn't get in. Stood in the range all day. Stood in the range, yeah. Class. And then showed up this week, put in that performance. <laughs> Sunday was just one of those days where nothing really went right for him. From the off, the, the, the tee shot on one, that kind of set the tone and he never really recovered. The front nine, a lot of mental errors. I thought he did held it, it together pretty well in the back nine. He did hold it together in the back. To be fair, considering the way it started, he did hold it together. And I think if that had been a Thursday round, he would have been pretty happy. Mm-hmm. But it's not. He was sitting in a 54-hole lead. His record in 54-hole leads is not tremendous. Mm-hmm. It actually reminded me of his... It wasn't so much a collapse, but he sort of fell apart at the waste management a few years ago when he had the 54-hole yeah, lead. Yeah, I forgot about that. And he just sort of became a bit of a forgotten figure in the last day you would have to say is that pressure and nerves probably but when you start with a not quite so much a a two shot swing but when you drop shots and you look as though you're on a bit of a a downward spiral that's extremely hard to fix in a US Open Mm -hmm. because the course is not set up for you to go and pick up three shots in a spin so you immediately know 
you're probably four or five holes from getting closer to the guy that's above you. Mm -hmm. And I just think he never, he didn't quite recover quickly enough. I agree with you. you. You were the first last year to say that you thought Ricky might come into you were massively drunk when you did that <laughs> podcast to be fair you said I'm drunk he's gonna win, uh, twin twice in a year that's just insane but he's he has been in really good form yeah. and it would not surprise me if he turned up at Hoylake and, and was in the mix he, he's, his game is there everything about what Ricky's doing is to be admired this guy has fallen off the face of the planet and come back let's you not forget that. when we're talking about Rory having won at Hoylake who was tied second that year yeah, Ricky Fowler. A lot of people that criticise Ricky and call him a choker are not real golfers. Yeah, they oh, genuinely, I think that's a total nonsense. And any other stuff, you know, there was some big, these social media goons in America that were having a go at him. They, they, these guys don't know golf. Yeah, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. My God, will we get to them. I think the difference there is that I don't think Ricky's a choker. He's just not a prolific winner. Of course he's, he's not. He's only he's won. Five times. Five times. Five times in the he's won a, he's won a, how many times he's won in the DP World? Twice. 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 Yep. So he won the Scottish Open in 15 and Abu Dhabi the following January. Yeah. He's won the Korea Open on the, the Asian Tour. He's won the Hero World Challenge. <laughs> he's not a prolific winner. So when you get also into the that biggest position, one he's got is the, the players in 2015. But is England, that not his last win? No, his last win was the, the Phoenix Open in 2019. He's got Wells Fargo, players, Deutsche Bank, which was a FedEx Cup playoff event. So limited field, if you want to be really oh. dickish about it. And then the Honda Classic in 17 and Phoenix in, in 19. <sighs> you know, he's, he's just, he's not a prolific winner. His major record, everyone gets very excited about Ricky, I think, and got very excited when he had four top fives in the, the majors in the calendar year in 15. Fifth, second, second, third. Ago. But yes, yeah, so was it 14? 14, so I mean, that's... That's nine years ago. That's a long time ago. Since then, one, two, three, four, five, six major top tens in total. This is a step in the right direction, though. I think if he'll want to do this, but let's spin the positive. This is Ricky Fowler taking another step back towards where we think he should be. And I think the game's better when Ricky's playing in contention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, I need to ask you about your good, good personal friend, Justin Thomas, or... J-Dog. J-Dog. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you saved in your phone as? <laughs> Sup, J Dog. Yeah, another another really poor week for Justin Thomas. Missed the cut by an absolute country mile. He had an eighty one, I think, eighty one shocking on Friday. His worst ever score in a major championship, and ended up finishing the tournament on fourteen over par. Only three players with a worse score. Valdez, Horsey, and Lebioda. <laughs> Not good. What's going on, Bryce? You you know him better than anybody, including That's Tiger. Not <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's in a slump. That you have to say he's uh, he's he's in a really poor place. Is it as a consequence of having played with you? <laughs> well, he, he won a major after that. Ah, true. Come on, true. He's 18th in the world. He's a former world number one. Two-time major champ. You know, he's the guys get game, but he's he's just struggling at the moment. You know, missed the cut by a mile, missed the cut at Memorial. He was pretty bang average at the PGA. 
He was pretty much last of those that made the cut at the PGA, yeah. wasn't he? He missed the cut of the Masters. I thought he was terrible at the Masters. Looked crushed though after yeah. the Masters. I couldn't quite put my finger yeah. on that because I think he's quite. Do you remember emo- like Jim uh, Bones Mackay yeah. consoling him? I think like, he's quite an emotional guy. It looked like his world had collapsed yeah. around him. I think he's quite an emotional guy. He lets things. I think he's quite affected by poor play. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he, he should get over it, but he, he does seem to get affected by it. You know, he's not at a ten. He's not at a top ten since the Valspar. He had some fleeting moments at the beginning of the season, but they were few and far between. Yeah, waste management's his best score, isn't? I think he's, he's worth there or yeah, something like that. He's he's putting shocking strokes gain. He's 151st again. So <sighs> if you look at the stats, that's amongst the worst on tour. Off the tees, uh, uh, bits and bobs. You know, driving accuracy is all over the joint. But again, you would look at driving accuracy and I actually ignore a lot of driving accuracy but it doesn't matter because they hit it so far. Yeah, it's almost an irrelevant stat. It's an irrelevant stat. Nobody really cares. In terms of scoring, he's just inside the top 50. Rory's fourth. His scoring average is he's 128th. Rory's 30th. So it's not not great. His stats are not... Not tremendous from the fairway. He's pretty poor. So as we've said before, there's quite a lot of his game that's just not clicking. On the PGA Tour and in the majors, you will be found out. Simple as that. If he brings that game to Hoylake, he hasn't got a hope in hell. Because at Hoylake, you will get bounces that will put you in horrendous positions. The one thing you notice at LA Country Club is that bounces everywhere in the fairway they didn't collect you in bunkers. Not a lot of people found bunkers mm-hmm. at LA that really killed them. At Hoylake, you will find bunkers that will, if you're in the bunker, you're look, you're staring at bogey. So if you're not in control of your golf ball off the tee, you will struggle. I think if he brings that game to Hoylake, he's going home on the Friday night. He is fueling the jet. <laughs> Only 11 of 26 fairways across the two days only half his greens in regulation and to compound the misery needed 64 putts across two rounds 64 putts that is crap <laughs> that is crap and that is crap listen give him props by the way because it would have been the easiest thing in the world to say nah I'm not speaking to anyone oh, he did yeah he, he spoke to reporters afterwards some guys don't speak after 74 he shot no. 81 on a major to go home on Friday yeah. and, and fronted up and he said it's all pretty shitty when you shoot 14 over I was playing the best I've played in a really long time this week, so it's a funny game. It can leave you speechless, both good and bad. Right now, it's unfortunate. Once I'm able to reflect and figure out what I can learn and get better from, it'll end up good. But it sucks right now. Yeah, I I, I get it. I, I I quite like his attitude. I just do think that he something about J Dog. He, <laughs> he gets quite down on himself. I, I I see he gets quite down on himself, and in the in the big tournaments this year. He has not turned up. What he needs right now is a Bryce Ritchie pep talk. He needs another so, pro-am. <laughs> yes. So this is your chance. We all know that JT listens, because let's face it, yeah. he's your pal. Yeah. So what What would you say to him right now? Go and see your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Go get a lesson. Yeah, it worked for you. Yeah. He's a great player, and, he, and he's proved himself time again that he is a great player, but... He's got a bit of a turnaround to do. And the disappointing thing for him is, is that in the big tournaments this year, he just, he's not been there. Mm-hmm. And he, he'll write off this season and he'll come back. But it's yeah, it happens. Players have bad years. Yeah, it's a shame. But he is sliding down the rankings. Yeah. He's a way better player than 18th in the world. But stats don't lie these days. Well, the world rankings do. Different matter. Well, he's playing on the right side of the world rankings. <laughs> so they don't lie, Michael. <laughs> 
to rethink that. Mm. <laughs> Unbelievably, Bryce, the men's major season were three quarters done. Yet again, it is blinking you'll miss it stuff. One more major to go, the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. Right now, who's got the momentum? And don't say Wyndham Clark's he won, but who who has the momentum going into the final major? I would, let's be honest, the same two guys that had the momentum going at the US Open, Rory and uh, and Scotty Scheffler. Two guys at the top of the rankings, in full flow, they just need their putting to click. If, if those guys turn up with those games at Hoylake, they'll absolutely be in it. You know, Scheffler's the same as Rory, he can play anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's that good. He brings his game to any golf course and will stand out. The one player that slightly disappoints me, I think he's gone off the boil, is Ram. I think he's just sort of in a bit of a sneaky spot. He's not quite where he was. He's not slumping by any means. No, not at all. By his standards, he's not at it. Yeah, he's not what we know. And, and you know, it wasn't... How many times do we say this? Golf's such a strange sport because when you're in amongst it and you're you're on form, Ram looked like the Masters and then a few weeks after that, he looked like everything he touched Mm. was just gold. Even when he wasn't winning he was right up there yep. and look at him now he's just not quite in the mix you know it's got yeah, funny and I think it's relative isn't it because people will be looking at his results and going what are you talking about and you know yeah since he won the Masters tied 15th at RBC second at the Mexico Open tied 50th at the PGA tied 16th Memorial and tied 10th at Los Angeles last week but but that doesn't tell the full picture if ever there was a backdoor top 10 I think that was probably it Ooh. It was though. Telling that to his face. Nice backdoor top ten job. What do you think of that? Not Not a chance. Not a chance. (laughs) Be running away. (laughs) John Ram absolutely terrifies me. Yeah, you wouldn't pick a fight with John Ram. Not a hope in hell. Not a wouldn't pick a fight. If they were going to like remake the Terminator or Predator or any of the Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Van Damme movies, and you needed a golfer to there you go. Rocky. Rocky. Oh, can you imagine him in Rocky? Be over after two minutes, smack down, end of film, roll the credits. Wouldn't pick a fight with that man. Anyway, listen, lots more to come on this week's episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. Do not go anywhere. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new Paradigm in Performance from Callaway. Welcome back, part two of this week's Bunker podcast in association with Callaway. Michael and Bryce here as always. Bryce... Exciting week at Bunkered HQ because the open preview edition, a delayed drum roll, but thank you. <laughs> the Good open, point, yeah. <laughs> meant to do that before, haven't I? Typical drummer. It's whatever. The open preview edition is hitting newsstands and subscribers doormats in just a few days' time. I don't know about you, but it's always my favourite issue of the year. Tell us why, Michael. Because it's the open, it's big, it's bumper, it feels premium, it's exciting because you're reaching the middle point in the season. When it's Does just, it feel like premium? It is premium. Thank you. I know it's, what you're saying. Oh, we've got a great cover start, some great do. stuff in it for the open this year. We've also managed to track down, you know, remember the voice of the open, you'd say, Mr. Ivor Robson. 
Uh, Which is a great get, by the way. Great get. Our man John Turnbull managed to track him down and spoke to him, and his interview is fantastic. Really great. No disrespect to the open uh, announcers at the moment, but Ivor's still the man. Ivor's the man. And once again, we made a chronic mistake of not getting him to introduce the Bunker podcast. Imagine he did it in that voice. You know? We'll phone him back. But a big open preview, isn't it? There's lots and lots of content there. Lots in it. Buy it, subscribe, keep us in job. Go to bunkered.co.uk forward slash suboffer. Take advantage. Right. Tom Watson. Price. Tom Watson wrote rather the open letter to Jay Monaghan, the PGA Tour, earlier this week. I feel with my tiredness and generally having shouted and screamed at Georgians all last night, I've got a bit of a, a Tom Watson timber going on in my voice at the moment. If I just turn it into an American accent, I might sound like Tom. It's not bad, actually. No. It's going to need a bit of work, but it's not, it's not far of off. A bit of work. So, Tom wrote uh, an open letter to Jay Monaghan and the board of the PGA Tour on Monday night demanding answers, demanding answers, give me answers, over this deal with the PIF, the merger, whatever you want to call it. 73 years old, Tom now, but he clearly still has a very vested interest in the game. He referred to the hypocrisy that the PGA Tour has shown in making a U-turn and agreeing to a truce with the PIF, obviously, Saudi money and he went there he went for the 9-11 line as well he spoke about that a really really lengthy letter from Tom Watson one of the standouts unfortunately in the wake of recent news I understand the cries of hypocrisy because Jay is a smart man I know he does too in my opinion the communication has been mishandled and the process by which the tour agreed upon a proposed partnership with PIF was executed without due process as a group of players and stakeholders who represent the face and the brands of the tour, what are our choices? Bryce, your thoughts on Tom's missive? I thought it was quite interesting. That why? Why? I just thought, why, why, why is he suddenly speaking up? Tom Watson's been largely, largely silent on all PGA Tour matters for years. Ever since the Ryder Cup, at Glen Eagles and the end of that and the aftermath of that, he's kind of kept a reasonably low profile. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I actually thought, this is bonkers. Why has he come out with this? Because let's be honest, I know there was parts of it that were reasonably interesting, but he's just kind of seen what everyone else is mm-hmm. thinking, which is, yeah, there's a bit of hypocrisy. You need to remember that, that some of the major investors in the PG Tour currently have links with Saudi money. So we get all that. But you know, we don't. We didn't really get informed about what was happening here. We need. We need answers. Literally seeing what every other golfer in the world is thinking. The difference being, it's Tom Watson, eight-time major champion, all-round legend of the game, putting his name to it. But he's not said very much in recent times. It would be very different. Put it this way: it'd be very different if Tiger Woods had said that. My opinion is that I, I'm not sure, and I mean this no disrespect to Tom Watson, but I'm not sure people were that like, oh my god. Tom Watson has spoken. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it as that big a deal. I think there's only three players who would move the needle in that respect. Tiger's one. Jack Nicholas is another. And to Ro- a much lesser degree. And Rory. Tiger and, and Rory. And that, 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 that's, the, that's the thing. I mean, Jack Nicholas is Jack Nicholas. If, if Jack Nicholas has got a big thing to say, then I think people will listen. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I thought it was a bit of, I wouldn't say grandstanding by Watson. I just thought 
why has he come out and said something? Why was a very lengthy, mm-hmm. big letter? I just thought it was a bit strange. Wonder if there's a bit of a an undercurrent in the background where certain players have said we need to get this sorted and have maybe gone to him or mm-hmm. he's found out that a few players are not getting their voice so he's said well I'm Tom Watson I'm going to go out and I'm going to say this but he's leaning more into his role as one of the games use the word advisedly grandfathers right Jack is that Gary Player is that now that he's alongside them as an honorary starter at the yeah. Masters and has been a couple I, of years I, I would have expected Gary Player to write that type of letter oh he's probably still writing it <laughs> <laughs> It'll be published in June, in uh, June two thousand twenty-four, <laughs> fitting it in around his, you know, workout schedules. But then again, he's compromised. You know, the, the golf Saudi element. He was never really. It, Tom Watson represents what it is to be an American well, who's played thing. and it's, made his name in the PGA yeah, Tour. It's all, it's all, it's all become a mess because yeah. he will be doing the in nine ten months. He'll be doing the. What you got the honorary starter yeah, then at, the presser. Uh, at Augusta National, and he's talking about hypocrisy, blah blah blah. But the guy standing next to is sponsored by Golf Saudi. Jack is designing a golf course. He in Saudi designs Arabia. golf courses, and he's disgusted by it, Jack Nicklaus. He designs. He gets paid by the Saudis to design golf courses. If you're Jack Nicklaus, you get paid two and a half million, and you give one corporate day, you get something like. Three and a half million if you give two corporate days to Jack. It's just, you can't be, we just need to move on from this. You cannot be that naive. So I do think it's quite strange that he's come out and said this. It's almost like, why are you getting yourself involved? Like, Mm -hmm. what does he expect that the PGA Tour is suddenly going to address these problems? They've they've got players in the advisory council that that are saying, look, tell us what's going on. Players are not happy. Also, Monaghan... It's taking time out through ill health. And we should wish him well. We Absolutely. don't know what the extent of the problems there. But Absolutely. We don't despite, know what's going despite on. Despite our criticism and regular criticism of him, yeah. we wish him so full We don't recovery. want the guy have, have any physical or mental problems. We want that not to happen. So for, I think, Watson to come out and say that at this point, it's a bit strange. Yeah. Didn't, I strange. Didn't, didn't like the timing. I didn't really see the reason for it. It's quite odd. He said, my loyalty to golf and this country live in the same place and have held equal and significant weight with me over my lifetime. Please educate me and others in a way that allows loyalty to both and in a way that makes it easy to look 9-11 families in the eye and ourselves in the mirror. When the point of Saudi Arabia, he says, I asked the tour, how is a non-negotiable point for us one day when we negotiate the next? Which is the question that everyone's asking. I think it's because we all know that they're Money is yeah tight, yeah. you know. And I, I, there's a you know some senators come out in the last few days. Let's not go into this, but some senators That's came incredibly out in the last few dull. days and said that you know this might not get to go through and everything and blah blah blah. <laughs> there's always a politician ready to make oh, their name, God. isn't there? Senators, I know. Bog off. <laughs> Listen, Bryce, we need to talk about bots. Do we? Listen, we do, and I'm loath to do it because they love attention and that's what sustains them and it's oxygen to them and all that stuff. So we're going to do that? It would be remiss to ignore it because this is meant to be peacetime in golf, or so we're led to believe. And these faceless cretins continue to try and stoke the flames of division. We all know the accounts I'm talking about. It was interesting, Craig Connolly, who obviously caddies on live and by his own admission, enjoys the banter of 
us versus them, live versus PGA Tour. He called one of them out who would be supporting him on his side because they called Rory a cheat over the drop that he got in 14 at the US Open. For where I'm at, banter's all well and good. It's one of the good sides about social media that we can have banter, we can have fun. But this is going beyond that, isn't it? And it just, it, it seems to me like it's getting worse, it's more vicious, and there's zero accountability for these idiots. Well, there's, there is zero accountability. It's just a live bot. But everyone that, that follows it on Twitter really should know that. There's um, many of them. It's not of one. There's, there's loads of them. Loads of them. Um, I don't... That account that Craig replied to is... It's a full-on... It's almost a parody account. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't waste time on it. Genuinely. Should the tours live particularly be doing more to try and separate themselves from them? The reason I say that is I have a pretty good authority that some of these accounts have been accredited for live events. Like actual media accreditation. Now, they will be at pains to put on their bios, and it's noticeable they've started doing that recently, not affiliated to live. But accredited by live? Mm. Well, of course. This all start. there's a reason why they exist. To I'm not sure we should get into this, but there's a reason why they exist. It was to create noise about a new tour, and it worked. But now that the tour's been legitimised, these, these accounts should really die off. There's a few that are quite annoying, not going to name mm -hmm. them, but the everything that Liv does is amazing. Mm -hmm. Literally everything. Ask yourself why they're saying everything's yeah. amazing. Is it because they believe it or because, you know, it's in their interests? Yes, most likely in their interests. But if if Liv wants to be taken seriously, they should not be giving accreditation to bot accounts or people running these accounts that are not legitimate journalists. Mm -hmm. This is the problem with social media and so on. It wasn't that long ago that, you know, I remember talking to some shall we say prominent, was it UK journalists? Yeah, probably from prominent UK journalists that didn't want guys like No Laying Up mm -hmm. and Barstool at Open Championships because they felt obviously threatened by them, but they thought they were, these people were just Getting in the way. Fanalists, I know we've used the term fanalists, but I, I think some of them cover golf pretty well and, and and to a certain extent. But they're different from bots, so it's unfair to compare the two of them, but we have to have the conversation. But the bots are not the same as people like that because the bots are faceless, as you yeah. said at the beginning, so they have no one to answer to. But I do think a lot of the time they are acting like parodies and they're talking to themselves. Do people really take some of those accounts seriously? Well, some yes, of them, some yes, of them they yes, do, and some, some of them media, they don't. And some media outlets take them seriously by creating stories based upon the rumours and the conjecture that they throw out. I mean, okay, it's an aggregating world as far as media goes, but when you see people putting up a story and it's like, this is going to happen, this guy's joining Live, or this guy's done such and such, and the source is them, that's legitimising them. You know, that That's not a good look either. Sometimes their information's right, because they're being fed it. A lot of the time they're just trying to stoke and drive division and create no, that's, noise. That's for people, that's for sports editors to sift through that crap. Mm -hmm. You know. I think you make a good point though in the sense that this feels like a progression of where we've been going. You know, it's gone from traditional media to fan media and now it's stretched to this. Where do we stop? <laughs> where is the line I do don't we know, I, Genuinely I find it quite interesting. I think that we were talking about this the other day, the landscape of golf media has changed in the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. I remember stepping into my first Open Championship media tent and it's 
it's absolutely night and day to what you get now. Did they have tents in 72 <laughs> open? Uh, it was probably an actual tent. But what is completely different yeah. to... It still is an actual tent. <laughs> yeah. It's completely different to what you get now. And I'll tell you what, it's better now than it was then. I just hope they disappear. Don't think they can... Do you know what? I don't think they're adding anything to the game. I think they're taking away they're from the game. They're adding noise. Yeah, so... They too can bog off. Podder of merit, Mr. Ritchie. Hmm. Last week, US Open, obviously. It was 9-5 heading into it. All I needed was the point to win. I picked Brooks Kepka. But I haven't even discussed Brooks on this episode. But It was uh, all right. He was you know? okay. Yeah, yeah. Another positive week, but tied 17th. You went big. You had to go big, go home. You went with Scotty Sheffer, who was third. Point, Bryce, for you. That's my first point, I think, since April, is it not? Something Steve, like Steve of the ref will confirm, I'm quite sure. But yes, it's been a while. It's been a while since you got on the scoreboard. Well done. Thank you. Keeps it interesting. Thank you. Keeps it interesting. Oh, it's it becoming seems. a little bit like the Bundesliga. You know, Bayern Munich on. have won the league there, what, 11 years in a row? I did, you know what? I didn't know that they'd won the league 11 years in a it's row. insane, isn't it? I did not know that. What a <laughs> farmer's league. One team in it. Sort I, it out, Schalke. A joke. So, 9-6 as it stands to yours truly. But Bryce, you have the honour going into this week. A few events taking place. BMW International Open on the DP World Tour. Travellers Championship on the PGA Tour. At an elevated event, so the field is strong. Get this, Bryce. The purse at the Travellers is the same as the purse I at know. the US Open. It's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely mad. Look at the money that the guys are making in the first five, six months of the year. There has never been a better time to be a professional golfer. Tell you, golfer. if you've got kids, get them playing golf. I saw you were playing with your wee man on US Open Sunday. Yes, we had, uh, that was Father's Day and it was beautiful. We had tears because we fell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, he's got, he's, he's, I don't know where he gets it from, but he's got a horrendous temper. Oh, where does he and get obviously that from? obviously I have an even worse temper, mm-hmm. so we had a bit of a fallout. And then we had a, we had a, if anyone was playing Balfron Sunday in the afternoon, we had a hug in the middle of the eighth fairway to, oh. make, to make up. But he was fine. Where did you he fall just, out? He doesn't, you know what he doesn't like? He doesn't like carrying his bag. What? Our sponsor, Callaway Golf, very kindly gave me a... Like a, a lightweight pencil bag at the beginning of the year, and I thought that's going to do Clark's absolutely brilliant. But he's got proper clubs, so he's only got five or six clubs in his bag, which gets like thirty balls, whatever. But his bag is only ten years old. His bag's heavy, and I remember when I was a kid, I couldn't be bothered carrying a bag. Mm. He hates carrying his golf bag. He hates it. So I, I have my uh, motor caddy, and, and I eventually I thought it's, like, it's like, even worse because you're not carrying your bag, and I'm poncing about. But that's what he said. He said, "Why do you get to? Why do you get to use that and have to carry my bag?" And I just said, "Look, sharp, carrying your bag. It's character building. I know." But it, after the character building, they said it's not going to work. So I, ah. I I put the bag over my bag, and as soon as I did that, brand new. So I now know what I'm going to get from his birthday. I'm going to get my golf trolley, not an electric one, <laughs> a push cart. <laughs> so yeah. Oh well, all's well that ends well, so you're in a good place now. In a good place. Excellent, excellent. So and my golf. My golf's in a good place as well. No one cares. But that's the whole point. People get him do into care. golf. Get him into golf. That's People what you're ca- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get him yeah. in golf. Yeah. <laughs> Make millions. Mm-hmm. So that's all happening. But the event we're going to go with, KPMG Women's PGA Championship Major in the women's game. I think it's the second major of the year. Stacked field, as you would expect. Bryce, who are you picking? 
Who is going to be the queen I, of Baltazar? I am going to pick... It's probably ridiculous pick, picking this because I think this will be her first major as a pro. Oh, you've done it. I'm going to pick Rose Zhang. I know that's mental, but she did win on her debut. Mm-hmm. And if you believe what those who cover the, the ladies game uh, much more than we do will say that she is known as a real talent. Mm-hmm. You know, the real deal. If, if you speak to the people at Cali, they will say she's the she's the real deal. She came out in her debut and won as a against pro, a very just, very good very field. good field. That's ex, that's ex, just ex, exceptional, mm-hmm. absolutely exceptional. So I'm going to pick a ridiculous. I'm I'm not saying she's going to win, but I think she's mega confident. I think she'll have a good week. And your pick will have to beat her. My pick was going to be Roseanne. Was it? Genuinely, I'm not kidding you on. That's There's just something about her. I've been talking about her for months and months and months, if not years. I think she's the total package. She's proper. So I am going to have to go with... <laughs> it's not her best major by any means. Best finish there was second, but that's back in 2016. Only other two top tens to speak of. But crucially, she was the low amateur in it as well in 2013. Can you guess? Lexi? She would have been about eight. <laughs> I don't know. And then her third year on tour at that point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going with Lydia Cole. All right. I don't think I've picked her yet. Steve the ref will correct me if I have, but I don't think I have. Do a major. She's got two already, but the most recent of those was the Chevron, or I think it was Craft Nabisco or A&A at the time. That was 2016. You talk about Rory being a, a generational talent that hasn't got the majors that he probably ought to. Lydia Coe is slowly but surely falling into that bracket. If she doesn't win a major this year, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven calendar years without a major championship. But I just, I think she's just class. Chess class. 19 LPGA victories to her name so far. And she is how old, Mr. Richie? Oh, is she 20? Is she 26? Correct. Yeah, 26, 26 years old with 19 LPGA That's wins. just outrageous. <laughs> Mental. So, yeah, okay. Rose Zhang versus Lydia Cole, KPMG Women's PGA Championship. May the best lady win. And may the best man win. I'm the best man. Right, honesty box to finish up. Maybe a little bit of a introspective one. This we're going to get a little bit deep. But Bryce Epiphanies, <laughs> we might not get. No, bit. probably not very deep. How deep do we ever really get? You know, we don't talk about our feelings really enough, do we? No, let's not do that. Let's talk about Epiphanies. I had an epiphany last week, which I'll come to, which has prompted this question. You had an epiphany. I had an epiphany. I usually go for the. <laughs> Usually go for the chili garlic chicken, but I had not done these So I'll come to mine in a second. What is the biggest epiphany you've ever had about golf or on the golf course? About life, maybe on the golf course. I think I, it will be it will be the lesson I had, and the thing I take from that is not specifically what he told me to do, but what I have to do, which is I, I always think that hip turn. Who was it gave you that? Uh, Mike Thomas J-Dog's dad J-Dog's dad Dad dog Dad dog I just call him DD <laughs> Of course you do <laughs> So Yeah hit wh- turn wh- wh- So what did he tell if you? you don't commit You know I, I, I've said this before 
you for me something that's I can hit duck hook I, I was hitting duck hooks and then I could hit sleeping sweeping slices. I mean I could I could take out cars on any golf course <laughs> where I go to with my swing anyways. That's why you've not me. played the old course. Yeah, because I'm all, I'm just all over that. I can't tee up in eighteen or I am an insurance nightmare. <laughs> Russocks, their windows are in the firing line. It's genuinely like uh, uh, it's terrifying. But not since I got that lesson and I have that aim left, hit right, and it's changed my life. So you now have swing thoughts on the tee? Did I you have them before? I, I, no, but I now know every, and almost to the point where I know exactly where my golf ball is going to go. And when I played at the weekend, I, now that's the second, I've not played golf this year. That's my second round of golf. I've played one round of 18 holes this year. Have I? Is it two? No, one round of 18 holes this year. I've had back problems. Total nightmare. Let's not get into the back problems. But total nightmare, I've not played golf. So, you think it's June mm-hmm. and I'm going up to play. This could be a disaster. But I only think about two real things. I think all I think about is my setup and the fact that when I come through the ball, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit right. I'm going to aim right. I'm not aiming as right as I was two years ago when I was first implementing this because then it was dire. But now I'm basically always trying to hit up the right side of the fairway. And if I do that, I kind of draw the ball in. But my epiphany is that if I don't, snap my hips when I'm through the ball I'm dead and that's it and every time I do it my golf ball goes exactly and I I almost cannot hit the ball left if I do this seriously can't hit it left and it's amazing I know I'm aiming right but it's not as if I'm you know hitting it 40 yards right you're not hitting a big slinger no so the epiphany is that if I I just if you look at every tour player's, I'm not comparing myself to a tour player. So anyone's listening to this goes, "What a tour?" So shut it. I am not comparing myself to a tour player. I'm not a professional. Not a professional. But you should be. However, if you look at a tour player's, I know there isn't such a thing as impact position. Golf pro will always tell you that there is no such a thing as impact position because you swing through the ball. You don't stop there, so it's not a position. You know what I mean? Anyway, ignore that. If you look at a player's impact position, look at their hips. Look at Mm-hmm. You know, Justin Thomas's hips, look at Rory's hips. Their left hip is almost like some players' belt buckle will be facing, almost facing their target. That's what I think of. That's when I think of that. And I never used to think of that. But as a, and it came to me myself when I was working on my swing last year, the, the whole, my whole setup, aiming right. If I don't snap my hips at address and turn my hip down, you know, call it hip turn, but I think it was more of a snap. If I don't do that, I, I struggle to get the ball where I, to go where I want it to go because you're you're not in the position you need to be in. Hard to explain, but that's my epiphany. I said we weren't going to get deep. There we go. It's a very good one, though, because you know what I like about that? That's not a, a compensation for a flaw that Mike Thomas has sort of put a little plastered over. He's like, you know, just aim further right. No, no. He's actually giving you a fix. Yeah, yeah. I love and, that. And, and, and I don't think about much else. I remember we had Stephen Gallagher in this office six seven years mm-hmm. ago for a shoot mm-hmm. and i remember saying to him you know if you've got a six iron where's your ball position and he almost said i don't really know i don't i don't really think about all that i just put my club down and, and it feels right and i remember thinking that's kind of weird i'm at that position i, I just almost everything's center for me mm-hmm. but with the exception of my driver driver's far left off my left toe everything else is almost center and it's mm-hmm. almost like it becomes a natural feeling and and you know that when you're listening to Stevie talk, he's not thinking about much. Yeah. 
He's not thinking about much at all. He doesn't need to. doesn't need to. Yeah. But he's not. And I think that's the thing. If you're on the tee and you've got loads of things in your head, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. I've only really got one or two things. And as soon as I take the club away, I'm not thinking about the first thing. So I really only got one swing thought in my head because my setup happens. And then when I've got my setup, I don't think about anything else. You sound like you're in a good place with your game just yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, I just if I could only go out and play golf, my back's just sore. Mm, it'll get better. I hope so. <laughs> Can they do back transplants? <laughs> I don't know. I need to look into like spinal transplant or something. Yeah, has any golfer ever had that? Mm. <laughs> we'll soon find out. If anyone's going to have it, it's going to be Tiger. Yeah. Now, my my big epiphany last week, and I hate it, but this is, I suppose, a bit of a a cry for help as much as anything else. I was playing golf last week. It's the second round I've played since you know where. And the first round I played since then, I walked off after 15 holes because I'm bored. Fuming. Not fuming. Genuinely not fuming. I was just totally going through the motions. No focus. Not thinking about what I was doing. Just walk up, hit it, walk up, hit it. No consequence. No interest. And I thought, oh, it's just one of those days. It was the same last week, but the circumstances of that round were completely different to the, the previous one. Previous one, I'd played on my own on a Sunday night, as I quite like doing, course to myself. You don't need to focus. That one last week, lovely golf course, brilliant company, like awesome company, we had such a laugh. Competitive golf, should have been focused, and I just wasn't, my head wasn't in it. And... The epiphany was that Augusta National has ruined golf for me. The best way I can describe it is to use the title of a book that I love, No More Worlds to Conquer. There was this guy went out and he spoke to a lot of people who have either achieved greatness, and I've certainly not done that in golf, or who have done something from which there's nowhere else for them to go. There's no way they can improve on it, like scaling Everest or whatever it might be. I realised I kind of feel like that. Because yeah, it's kind of no- weird because you've just you just played Augusta. I mean, it'd be different if you went around Augusta and shot 62. But, but I'm never going to do that because I'm realistic about my expectations. Yeah. So it's like, for me, realistically, playing Augusta was something that just never seemed like it would happen. But it was always number one. Like, I want to do that. But tinged with the, but I'll probably never. So it was always an unattainable goal. But yeah. then you attain it. It's like, but so how where is, would you like but to how is, But how is your golf... So, How is your golf? I think I don't really know. I played really well at Augusta. I just think deep down you're not that bothered about getting much better. I think if I was, that would make me come back and come back. But I just aye, I enjoy that, the experience of playing aye, golf. That, I'm that, not necessarily fussed about shooting level par. Listen, these things would be nice. It would be nice to get single figures. It would be nice to break par one time. It would be nice to have a hole in one. But see, if I never do it, I don't think I'll die feeling unfulfilled. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's where we differ. I do have that. I, I want just to totally different people as far so, as that goes. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're just not that fussed about improving your golf to that extent. Otherwise, you would yeah. play more. You would work on your. You would go to the range mm-hmm. and work in your game. I like going to the range. Uh, sometimes I like going to the range more than than, than playing golf because you get satisfaction from from playing. But I think you're so what's just your getting epi- satisfaction what? in different ways. Yeah. So that was my epiphany. It's not a good one, which is I feel like golf's been kind of ruined for me because I've done the thing I most wanted to do. That's such a pity. So this is the cry for help. Help 
Go and get, what, go and, what am I going to do? Go and get a lesson. Go and get a lesson. I'm not, that's the thing. I'm not fussed about that. Quit, Mike. So, quit moaning then. Well, no, I, I want to continue to play golf the way I want to play golf, but enjoy it again. I'm worried that I'm losing the enjoyment because it's that's happened. It's still recent. And like as time goes and memories fade and all that sort of stuff, might change. It's only yeah. two months ago, let's be honest. But yeah. does anyone want to take me for a round of golf somewhere nice? You know, I'm just going to throw that out there. That's how it is. Where do you yeah. want to go? Pine Valley? And this is it. I never aspired to play Pine Valley. It's like Pebble Beach. If I play Pebble Beach, brilliant. Oh, no, I'm not going to turn I've down got, a tea time. I've got a long list of courses that I would love to I want to play Cypress Point. I want to play Pinehurst. I want to play Royal Troon again. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to play Muirfield. But where's number one? Number one? If I could play any golf course in the world, Augusta National. And that's my point. I've done that. So I know, but two, after three, I've four, done four, that, five. after I've done that, I want to go and play. I'd love to play Pinehurst. Go and, go and Google pictures of Pinehurst. I know, it's amazing. It blows my mind. Like There's ten. There's going to be is like 10 and 11 golf courses there. Yeah. I just think, I want to play there. But I have that desire. I don't think you do. So what? what's the epiphany? I just told you that Augusta has ruined it because when you've hit number one, two, three, four, and five, whilst great, they're never, or they've never been number one. So they'll never be as good. Yeah, Do you know what true. I mean? It's like if your wife left you, you would never get another girlfriend because they'll never be as good as your wife. Let me let me use a better example <laughs> that doesn't scare me as much. <laughs> when you've climbed Mount Everest, are you really going to be that fussed about climbing Ben Nevis? Now you well, might enjoy it. People who climb Everest look over and see the other and they say, I want to do that one. If you you do see people saying that, so I think your mentality is just different to other people. I get what you're saying. But I suppose there's always in the back of your mind when you're playing a golf course, it's like this isn't that is it. This isn't Golden Bell. That is it. I played a nice par three at our home course, 14. I like it. It's a great wee hole. I remember standing out thinking, yeah, it's not as good as it was two months ago. Which is a horrible yeah, thing. You need to get over that. Well, that's that. the that's the cry for help, Jesus! How much you would be the I'm worst not a psychologist? You would, you would be the worst psychologist. Just get over you it. You need to get over it. What is the problem that you've told me three times? <laughs> Bloody hell! That's how they make their money, by the way. Sorry, we've got to fifty nine minutes. Of course, it is. Any psychologist listening that can help Michael with his breakdown, J- help him, please. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I need something yeah. to just change the wiring a little Pine bit. Pine Valley. Okay. If anyone has got an in at Pine Valley and wants to take me, then slide into my DMs. Can I come with you? Yeah, all right. Thanks. We can do a pod from there. Equally, if anyone's got any ideas or has suffered the way I'm suffering, in inverted commas, again, let me know. I would like, I genuinely want a fix because it's no fun playing golf with the mindset I've got right now. That is it for this week. Bryce, thank you as always. It's my pleasure. How excited are you for the next few weeks? Because this is it. This is the big part of the year. Scale of one to ten. At the moment, it's a solid seven and a half. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, that's not the build-up's not started yet. I'm excited though. But you'll get to ten. I will get to ten, and I might get above that. Oh, eleven, maybe. Twelve. Move on. Thirteen. <laughs> no, thank you very much for your time. As always, thank you to Callaway for their continued support. Thank you to you for listening. It's always a pleasure to have your company and to hear your thoughts. Keep them coming. Until next week. Bye bye for now.